Well, I was asked to speak about the grace of God in our lives and and share a story, and I I will. I just want to begin by saying, being here right now is the grace of God to me. The first time I came in this building, I was just struck by the presence of the Spirit, and I, I actually whispered to the Lord, I said, would you let me preach here someday? And I actually taught here a class. I've spoke here uh, through the COVID time online, but this is the first time I've spoken in public. And I just want to say, this is, a, this is a great grace to me. The Lord has answered a prayer, and I'm so excited to be here. I also recognize it's a very sad time, and the loss of Dr. Noel, the tragedy, it, it, it broke my heart sitting here the funeral. And I just want to thank you for allowing me to speak. I, I would have easily stepped aside, and, but the fact that you've trusted me with this honor, uh, I, I'm thankful. I do want to start with a story, and I, I don't think it'll be irreverent. I think Dr. Noel would think it was funny. Uh, you know his style. So I'll begin with a story. I want to take you back to um, myself when I am just finished my first degree, and I'm going to go to do my master's at the University of Cambridge. And so I fly across the Atlantic. I land there. I don't know anyone. I had the goal of becoming you know, a strong theologian. But I also had one other goal. And that's I really wanted to see and maybe even meet Stephen Hawking. He was famous. I, I, I knew he was a brilliant mind, probably one of the most brilliant there at Cambridge. He also uh, was on Star Trek The Next Generation, which I love. So I, was, I always had my eye. I was always looking for him. And I had friends who were in the physics department. I was trying to get them to sneak me in. But he was really hard to get a hold of. So one year went by, and I didn't see him. And then another year went by. I, I, I was in the middle of a, my last year. And it must have been 2000 or so. So I'm taking it back a bit. And I remember I'm just walking down the street, and in, in, in Cambridge, there's a section they block off during the day, and it's kind of open to walk on a, a road. And I look over, and I see, uh, I see the wheelchair, and I see a number of kids gathered around it. And I see them poking the person in the wheelchair. I was like, what is this? So I walked over just to see what was happening, and lo and behold, it is Stephen Hawking. And he is there, and he's kind of slumped over in his chair like this, and the kids are kind of poking them, so I'm starting to scatter them away. While I'm doing this, a beep starts happening. Beep, beep, beep. And a warning sign comes on his screen, on his, on his chair. And it starts saying, warning, warning. And I'm looking at him slumped over, and I'm like, oh, my, what is happening here? And back then, uh, in Canada, cell phones weren't very popular. But in England, they already were. And so there's a lady walking by, and I grabbed her. I said, I need your cell phone. And I grabbed her phone, and I started calling the equivalent of 911. And at that moment, a lady ran out of the Woolworths came to his chair, grabbed his head, and picked it up. And he looked over, and he looked over at me, and he got very angry at me. He was mad at me. I think he thought I poked him. And so I'm I'm here with Stephen Hawking, and and his, I believe it was his wife that came out and said, don't worry about him, it's his own fault. And then she kind of drove away. And and when I realized with the story, I think he had hit a little lip on the the edge of the the sidewalk, and he kind of slumped over, and I don't know what was happening, but I do know that I had no expertise to to deal with this. And I look back at the story, and I'm I'm thankful in one sense. I'm like, go ahead, thank you for allowing me to to have met him. (laughs) Didn't necessarily need the anger part. Uh, And and my friends look back at this, and I always say to them, that was the time I almost saved Stephen Hawking's life. They say it's the time I almost killed Stephen Hawking. I asked the Lord, like, what, what do you want me to learn from them? What, you, what is going on with this story? And, and I, over the years, as I've thought about it, you know, I, I've tried to understand what, what was going on there. And if I want to think back, first of all, God is gracious. He allowed me to meet someone that I wanted to meet. He gave me a good story, and it's kind of funny. 
It ended with everyone intact. But it also taught me that I don't need to be a hero. That I'm not always called to be the hero. In fact, I just did what I could, which was to call someone else to come and try to help. And then that was enough. You know, I think maybe somewhere in my younger mind, maybe meeting Stephen Hawking would make me special somehow. Right? We love celebrity. We love fame. And, and we all want to be stars, especially in this day and age. Now, i got to admit, in some ways, I've had those dreams before. I, you know, I want to be the superstar pastor. I'll be a, a super famous academic. But I realize that's for God to decide. And that's something I should ever be chasing you know, and we have this problem in a lot of us from the evangelical culture where, you know, we, we value things like celebrity over celibacy or name recognition over letting our lives give Jesus' name recognition. When I start to think about the spiritual reality, you know, it, it, it gets difficult because even here at Tyndale, you know, we're, we've become famous for some of our connections and, and, and some of them like, like a Ravi or, or a Bruxy getting headlines for the wrong reasons right now. We get attracted to the big names, don't we? We think about, you know, how they can help make Jesus famous or, or help people know the gospel. But we need to celebrate the, the thousands who are contributing to the kingdom of God. And as I start to think about that, I start to realize the amazing thing about Tyndale, as much as we have awesome you know, names and people who've done, gone to great notable things, it's the thousands of graduates all over the world who are living their lives for Jesus in those quiet ways that are powerfully impacting their people and their places and their culture. That is the thing that makes Tyndale special. That is the thing that we should be thinking about. To recognize that maybe by God's grace, we can become some of those people. May we make that our ambition. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So my challenge to you students and even to faculty and, and staff is not to require worldwide big things of yourself. I'm not saying don't dream big, okay? Some of you are meant to dream big. Dream the dreams that God gives to you. For some, it's going to be big. Some of you might be Moseses and Pauls. Some of you might be the ones who dig the holes to set up the poles for the tabernacle. And all are meant to glorify God with their lives. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I love this word because a lot of times when we think of ambition in Christian circles, we think of like selfish ambition. They always go together, right? But here we have an ambition to live a quiet life. Something powerful here. It's a, it's a life that's not centered on self. It's a, it's a life that's centered on Jesus. Mind your own business and work with your hands. I love this idea of, you know, we recognize that we are supposed to think about our own lives 
stay out of other people's drama, not get ourselves involved. You know, Christians don't get all up in other people's faces. We do this all the time, right? In other people's business. When it says work with your hands, I don't think it means you have to be a laborer to be a good... I was a laborer in the union, so I'm covered just in case. Um, I think what he's saying here is be happy to live your life simply doing productive work. And for you who are studying, that means just work hard on your studies. Not so you can be famous, but because this is unto the Lord. He's saying that we need to work hard so others respect us. Isn't that what he called us to? That your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. We need to live our lives in such a way that other people take notice and say, I respect what this person's all about. I see their hard work. Not I see how famous they are. Because when we start to value those things, what starts to happen, we start to see the, 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 uh, kind of a dichotomy and things start to break down. What we respect people for is that they use their skills unto the Lord. You don't need to be famous or important for Jesus to use you. It doesn't have to be flashy or, or loud. Now, when it says quiet lives, by the way, I don't think it means you, you who are bombastic, if your gift is being, you know, really out there. That it doesn't mean you have to all of a sudden be quiet. What, it, what it's trying to talk about here is live a life that you use your gifts in a, in a special way that God will be able to be glorified through. That you're not pointing towards yourself. Here's the thing. Is it your ambition to honor Jesus with your life? If that's what you're, you're doing, then you're set. Whatever, whatever you're doing, is that what you're trying to do? Are you trying to bring glory to God? I was talking to Dr. Gilbertson before um, this, and she mentioned how she likes to use the example of Andrew. What he's famous for is bringing Peter to Jesus. A powerful thing to think of. Now, obviously, he was an apostle in his own right, and he, he has many, you know, we have St. Andrews and cathedrals and such. And, but, but the reality is that what we do with our lives is what God puts before us. And that's, that's it. Now, when I started doing hip-hop, at first, I was in England, I got a, we got a little record deal, and I was like, oh, I want to be like, you know, if I become famous rapping for Jesus, it'll make, give Jesus honor. I think Jesus realized that if that happened, I would do nothing of the sort. <laughs> That's not what he wanted. You know what he wanted me to do? He wanted me to use my hip-hop in a way to exalt him, to, to do prayers of benedictions. I've, I've done prayers and raps at weddings and funerals and, and teaching you know, I, I saw Ethan show me a little video of him doing some freestyle prayer uh, before uh, for, for the students here. And I was like, oh, that lifted my heart to realize a little bit of my life and how I do things is now someone else is doing that. Now it will get passed down. This is, the impact is undeniable when you start to live and use your gifts in ways for Jesus rather than thinking about how it's going to look for you. You don't need to be famous to bring honor and fame to Jesus. Live your life in such a way that you're quietly going about it and, and people will notice so that you're not dependent on anybody. I don't think this means that you don't need a community. I think what he's trying to say here is that what you're, you're using your gifts in ways that you yourselves are blessing the rest of the community. That you need to be doing your part in it. And this is important because I think for me, when I think about uh, Dr. Noel, I think this, this is, he, he represented this. This is who he was. He was someone who was able to live a life that quietly but surely impacted so many people. Like when you saw this place filled and you heard all the stories, you're like, oh my, he was a powerhouse for God. Look what he did. He poured into each of us and, and each of us made a special, and, he, and, he, and all, think of all the pastors that are now preaching the word of God through his quiet influence. 
He's not in the headlines of the newspapers, and, but he is someone who has made an impact for, for God beyond what probably he even realized. And that's because he wasn't trying to seek glory for his own name. What would it look like if we had a generation of Christians who no longer thought it was just through media and through fame and through big churches that that, that that was the way we got the name of Jesus, but it was actually doing the quiet work of pouring and loving lives as we go about it. And in my own life, I've had to, to deal with this sometimes. You know, I, I went from uh, preaching Easter service to like 700 people to 60 people. And, and thinking like, God, what, what's going on here? Am I, have I done something wrong? It's like, the Lord's like, no, I want you to, to use you where I have you. And it doesn't matter about numbers. It doesn't matter about uh, you seeing the impact. What it matters is that you're faithful in those moments and you live that quiet life in submission to God. And so that's my prayer for all of us here. Is that we would recognize in, in Dr. Noah a pattern that would allow us to live our lives differently. Not seeking fame, not seeking glory, but seeking to serve quietly in the spirit of God wherever he has put us. And to allow him through that to show us after it all why he put us where he put us and how he put us where he put us and that we were faithful in those moments. So that we did the right thing, whatever he gave to us. He picked up the cell phone, we called at the right moment. We didn't try to do any. We just did what we were supposed to do in that moment and let him work out what happens with it. And so those of you who are studying here, I just want to put that into your challenge. You are to work unto Jesus in your studies and allow him to be able to work it out. Some of you are going to be the top students and be, you know, really, and some of you are going to be just getting through and, and pushing on. But the reality is that God has you here for a purpose and a reason. And as you work at this, he will then use you in the community in ways that you can't even understand right now. But I hope and pray that someday we'll all look back and we can see the impact we had, just like we just saw with Dr. Noel. And so that's my prayer for Tyndale. We'll be producing quiet lives that honor God so other people look in in our daily lives and see that we are different and that we actually have something special and that they would then point to Jesus and give him honor. Let's pray. Lord, let's not be gawking to be famous like Stephen Hawking or even known for being rocking, Lord God. Let's not worry about all the mocking. Let's realize that our hearts need to be interlocking with your spirit. Our purpose, would you let us hear it, make it clear that we would revere you. Thank you that let me be here in the chapel and rap to you all. Lord God, we tip our cap to you. We ask that you would come here and help us live lives that are quiet. And your church through that, may you revive it. 